you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, everyone. I just wanted to come on very quickly and tell you that there was a little bit of a problem with recording the podcast that I am going to be posting today, and that is with Trent McIntyre. And we've got it, I've got it pretty well put together, but there's a little glitch in the middle of it, and you'll hear that. Do not be concerned. Um, It was just Zoom or or our internet. We could never were able to figure out what it was. So hope you enjoy it. Um, It's got a lot of good information, and I really enjoy talking to Trent. So that's it, and I am going to say goodbye. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen, and my guest this week is Trent McIntyre. And Trent has a very interesting story, and that also will kind of lead us into, excuse me, talking about some of the the things and the people that he works with and, and who he helps. And I'm going to have Trent introduce himself. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you, Susan, for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. Yeah, you know, I've I've had a a 25-year career helping people with various neurological conditions, Um, but it really really grew and and spawned from the fact that I was born with cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, many people don't know that there's different levels and classifications Mm -hmm. of cerebral palsy. And most people would be able to identify um, someone that has a really marked gait, or maybe they use a walker, they're in a wheelchair, and they really need services to provide them support for their whole life. Mm-hmm. But there are many, many people that are a class one or a class two, where you wouldn't know by looking at them that they had suffered any kind of brain injury at birth. Okay. And it has affected some kind of movement in their body or development in their body. And so that was me. But I think what makes my story fascinating is I didn't know that I was born with cerebral palsy. So I, I lived my life until I was 19, thinking that the restrictions that I had, how I felt in my body, the discomfort and the pain was all really normal. And despite my limitations in my movement, like, you know, I, I was athletic. So I just, I just was athletic with limitations. And I found how to ways to compensate around my lack of abilities. And I ended up getting into dancing. And I, I took dance classes at a studio and had some skill. And, and I loved, I loved that it made me feel better because it was the first thing I did in my life that with all the stretching and becoming stronger that it, my body felt better. And plus I, was, I could be an athlete while doing it. So I gained some skill and I got a scholarship to go to college and study and become a professional dancer. Well, along the way, when I was in college, I, was, I had a very high demand week and I had many performances that week. And I woke up and I could barely walk to the bathroom when I first woke up. I had so much pain from the knees down that it was like, it just seemed like insurmountable career ending kind of pain. That, that, that's all I, I could describe. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the timing kind of coincided with um, a holiday break. So I was home for Christmas 
and just kind of complaining about how much pain I was in and why is it from the knees down? And it's, it's, it's intense. I just don't get it. And that's when my mom looked at me and said, well, Trent, that's because you were born with cerebral palsy. And that was, so I was 19 when that, the first time I had even heard that, that phrase wow. or was told anything. And I didn't, I didn't even know what to do with that. Like, what is that? What does that mean? I don't even know what you're saying. Why didn't you tell me before? <laughs> you know, all the things that kind of go through your head. And she's like, yeah, do you remember when you were three, um, the doctors cast your heels to the ground because you learned to walk on the balls of your feet because your Achilles tendon was so short that you couldn't put your heels down. So that shortness in my, in my heel cord was one of the side effects of my brain injury. And so they cast it flat. So they forced my heel down. And I was like, oh yeah, I do have a memory of having these casts on. That's kind of a, a loose memory, but I do have a memory of it. And that was the only intervention they did. And that was that sort of checked the box for the doctors that that was good enough. Yeah. Well, my heels could go down, but I had very limited range of motion in my ankles. I couldn't lift my arms much above my head. You know, I had to really compensate my body to look like I was moving properly. And so I, I decided to do a lot of research that was available to me at the time and rehab my own injury. So part of my dance program was movement science and kinesiology and anatomy and all of these movement therapies. And so I just kind of put them all to work for me. And mm -hmm. some things worked, some things didn't work. And I would journal the process. And I was able to rehab my injury. And that was really the start of, you know, my curiosity mm. for this work that's now become a 25-year career. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, well, it's, it's wonderful that you were able to do that. And Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I was just, I had this goal of, of dancing mm -hmm. professionally. And, and it was also very much tied to getting out of my small town and making something of my life. Mm. And so it was bigger than just this injury. It was like, this, this could yeah. mean that I've got to move home or I've got to give up this, this goal and this dream. So yeah. yeah, I just, I saw no other alternative other than to push uh -huh. and figure this out. <laughs> That's great though. That's wonderful. Cause even, you know, there's a lot of people who have the same, the same um, motivation, but a lot of times for one reason or another, can't, can't get it all together to, to really go forward with it. Yeah, I mean, I say, you know, I certainly didn't do it alone because I had a lot of incredible professors that were sharing mm -hmm. so much information and knowledge. Uh -huh. I had to put it together. You know, it wasn't yeah. like I had I was under care of somebody, but I had to put yeah. it together for myself. And you know, I think that that's why when I look at you know those that are over fifty or or worried about a condition, or maybe they have early stages of a condition, or they they're yeah. caring for someone that has a condition, yeah. I really can understand after working with so many people over the years mm -hmm. of, of what that feels like, you know, mm -hmm. and, and ha both having the caretaker as a client and yeah. the patient as a client mm -hmm. and having, having a, having a 15 year relationship professionally with a client where I see them before they have diagnosis during, and then up to the end of their life, it wow. really, it really yeah. does reveal so much. It's like the greatest learning process takes place in that span Mm -hmm. You know, if you're paying attention, you know, if, yeah. if you're yeah. curious, which I was very yeah. curious and yeah. sort of wanted to apply that curiosity that I used on myself with other people. Right, right. And I think it also, when you're dealing with people um, who do end up with some sort of issue, yeah, right, um, having had the, the same one, but even just having had 
an issue as well. Makes you much, much more relatable and much more believable. Yeah, yeah. Right? Then yeah, you, you want to have somebody that's been through something that understands, yeah. you know, how that, how whatever that is, is disrupting quality of life. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, if yeah. you've never had your quality of life disrupted, mm-hmm. then you don't understand how wonderful quality of life can be. If yeah. it's never been disrupted, yeah. everything has always felt this way. It's always been, that's your normal, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think some of the best movement professionals are the ones that have gone through something and really had to experience something in their own body. Mm-hmm. So when somebody walks in that, you know, is, you know, early, early onset dementia or early mm-hmm. diagnosis Parkinson's, they can really have some compassion and hold the space for them yeah. because they, they understand what's at stake. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Be- especially because, you know, the relatives or the people that are taking care of them and supporting them, you know, it's hard for them because it's 24 hours a day. Yeah. And so they can have a tendency. And I know I had, you know, I did this. That's why I know, you know, at a certain point, you'll, you just, you kind of, you don't blow up, but you get close to blowing up mm-hmm. at somebody. Well, why can't you do that? You know, yeah. kind of thing, even though you know why. Yep. There's yep. just, there's just so much, there's, there's so much um, overwhelm. Yeah. And, and you're tired. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's when, when you have another professional providing some support, they're not mm-hmm. in it for 24 seven. They're not tired in your situation. Yeah. So they can, they can come in and have fresh eyes and fresh mm-hmm. views and, mm-hmm. and provide some insight and support mm-hmm. that, you, that you just can't. If you're, if you're the caretaker, yeah. I've seen it too many times. You're, you're tired. You're tired until it's over. And then you're recovering from being tired, which makes you more tired. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's this process that I've seen so many times. And yeah. um, it's, it's, you know, you, you, you find the energy, mm-hmm. you dig in because you love them and you yeah. want to be that caretaker. Yeah. And then you know, at some point you do have to take care of yourself. You know, there's mm. hopefully you see mm. that as a, as a valued thing, because if you don't, then you really run yourself into the ground. Yeah. 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 Oh no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that that is probably even more usual or normal, whatever you want to call it in people that are over 50, over 60. Yeah. You know, because that, sure. that's how that's how we were raised, right? Particularly the women. Yeah, yeah. I have I have um, two incredible clients that I have worked with for many years, and mm-hmm. you know they're in their eighties. And when there was lockdown from the pandemic, he was going into hospice, so they did hospice at home during oh. all of this. Oh God! And. I watched her find strength that I could only, I could never imagine. I just such Mm. incredible strength. Um, And so what an honor to be a part of that, but also what an Mm. honor to be a part of helping her recover from how much output is required to provide such care under such extreme circumstances, hard enough under normal circumstances, but those circumstances really multiply it. Yeah. And I think, I think when, when you, when you get to a, a certain point where things are starting to become real, they're not articles, they're not, it's not, mm-hmm. a, it's not a, a video that you saw. It's now in your family. It's now somebody you love. Um, there's a, there's a lot, there's a learning curve. There's a steep mm-hmm. learning curve to understand mm-hmm. like what it is that's happening. What do you do about it? What's the right decision? And mm-hmm. um, it's overwhelming. It is. It is. And you don't even realize that you're getting overwhelmed. 
Yeah, yeah. That that's that's the other the other thing. So, anyways, so now that we've gone down that rabbit hole, um, <laughs> which I think was a very important rabbit hole. Yeah. Personally, um, there are a number of things that you had. Um, well, first off, let me let me ask you a follow up question. So, did you be, actually become a per- professional dancer, or what? Did yeah, you... I was. I was able to rehab my own injuries and go on uh-huh. to dance professionally. And then while I was dancing professionally is when I started to see clients and see if the work that I had applied to myself would help other people. Okay. And I was just so lucky enough to have clients that were willing to be my guinea pigs. So I was working at a Pilates studio and Uh when most people were coming in for Pilates, which is great, I highly recommend it for your audience. um, I was not doing what everyone else was doing. And at the time I couldn't even really describe it. I couldn't even like put it together. I just know what I had done for myself. And I was just kind of repeating that with my clients and, and problem solving. And as it turned out, it wasn't that it was like the Pilates was a great vehicle for this to exist in, but it was more than just Pilates. It was that I was willing to hold space and problem solve for the person that was in front of me. So there wasn't a tear off sheet that I gave everybody that was the same. There wasn't a list of exercises that were repeated the same and the same repetitions and the same spring settings or whatever. It was that, who are you? What's at stake for you? And where uh-huh. are you trying to go? And let, let me uh-huh. see if I can help get you there. And I think that's, I think that's what we need. I mean, I think we need more. We need people to understand that those people exist. It's not just me. There's a, a big group of movement professionals, especially Pilates instructors that are mm. willing and capable of holding space for people to problem solve and see them. And oh, it's, wow. it's an important thing because, you know, there, there's, this, there's this real thing that happens for people they fall into what I call the movement gap and they've, they've seen the medical professionals. They've done the therapies. They're taking the prescriptions or whatever has been given to them, but they're not recovered. Their quality of life isn't come back or isn't even on a trajectory that's acceptable to them, but they sort of exhausted what the medical community can do for them. And that's not to say that we don't need the medical community. It's that it's not designed to be the hundred percent solution for you. And I think it's really, it's really important to understand that you can build your own team, you can build your own health or wellness team that includes movement professionals. I think it's really important. To... And, oh, and yeah. Being in there. Yeah, because the, the, me, me identifying it as a movement gap isn't a, isn't a slight or a slam <laughs> on the medical community. And I think that if, they, if you really are talking to someone who's responsible in that field, mm-hmm. they know they're not, that, that doctor is not responsible for all of your care, nor yeah. do they want to be. They, they want you right. to be self-sufficient and to drive your own care uh-huh. and so um, I find that the, the those that really understand and can can see that their patients mm-hmm. are struggling they mm-hmm. can relate and they refer their patients to me or to other oh. professionals okay so okay. you know our, our, our some of our best referrals come from that medical community because uh-huh. you know PT only lasts so long you only have so many visits it only goes for so yep. long and if you have yep. a condition that's lasting for years and years and years and years and you've exhausted your script or your insurance doesn't cover or whatever, you know, you can't, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, or there's mm-hmm. somebody near you that has the, the ability to help you, then there you sit, not really knowing what to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's the, the, the idea is that for me is that I want to continue to build the community of professionals and help people understand that these people exist, that you can find them in your community. And it really starts by researching Pilates studios because that's okay. it. not every Pilates studio is equipped to handle people 
and help people with neurological conditions, oh, but okay. many of them are, and many of them have at least one or two people that kind of specialize in that in okay. their facility. And okay. a lot of them work independently by themselves, either out of their home or they go to people's homes or whatnot. Right. So, you know, it's a great place to start researching in your local area. Uh-huh. And as soon as you, you find a studio, you can say, do you have anybody there that works with neurological conditions? Okay. And it's just an easy question. And they can say, yeah, you know, what kind of, what kind of clients do you see? And they should be able to name the conditions they have. They should be mm-hmm. able to have a conversation with you around, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on. And if you're talking to someone at the front desk, it probably would be a, a superficial conversation at first, but if you can get to one of the professionals or you can get to the director of the studio, you're going to get okay. better information and be able to ask better questions. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, ask for a consultation just to have a chat and, yeah. and talk about who they worked with, what kind of results they've seen and what they, what they could expect in their session. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. So is there just as a, as a going off the, the side road here, yeah. um, do the, at the Pilates studios and, and for the movement thing, does that, is that for other issues as well? Oh yeah. Like what? What um, do you mean? Well, take me for instance. So before COVID, okay. About three months before I fell and I broke my collarbone. Okay. Okay. By the time I got to the point of being ready for physical therapy, COVID had hit. Hmm. So it all had to be done online. Mm. which turned out to be like kind of this much more than worthless. Right. Um, and so consequently, you probably notice I'm always moving around kind of thing because this shoulder is lower than that shoulder. And I, you know, I can hold it up, but it's still, you know, it's kind of like, it's been a couple of years and it's just like, okay, <laughs> I just, yeah. I just, you know, you just kind of get used to, looking at it except when I'm doing these things <laughs> and I'm watching myself right, and I'm right. like oh shit okay so um anyways but so something some you know those kinds of physical right yeah. maybe somebody yeah. has a problem with with their leg or their hips right I mean that's a yeah. big thing as you get older yeah for sure the, the the thing that I think people really need to know about working with a movement professional is that, uh-huh. you know, Pilates is one of their skills. It's one of their tools. Okay. So a movement professional has many tools. Mm. They bring a lot to the game. They bring a lot to the table. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, Pilates, they, they usually work in a Pilates studio because it's the environment that's really conducive to okay. what they do. Uh-huh. So yeah, if, if you, if you do Pilates exercises, they're going to help with your alignment and your con- connection mm. and your control and your coordination for sure. When you have somebody who's a really skilled movement professional, they're able to look at your movement patterns. They're able to look at you mm-hmm. through a lens of understanding all the different ways your brain learns mm-hmm. and how, you know, th- there's reality to the better input you give to the brain, the better output you have in your body. Right. Yeah. And so I call that having a whole brain approach, like mm-hmm. really understanding how your brain takes in information and certainly moving your joints and your muscles is one of those ways. Uh-huh. But to really, really provide good information to your brain, it also means having strong and coordinated visual system, your eyes. Okay. And it's an often overlooked piece because we think of your eyes needing to have like acuity. Like I want to be able to read or see close up or see far away. And that's kind of where it starts and finishes when it comes to the eyes. Uh-huh. But what's amazing is that your range of motion, your strength, your coordination, 
your balance is all tied to your eyes and your inner ear. And so when you're trying to improve, especially over 50, you're, you're looking to improve these things, right. but you're, you're only working in muscles and joints in alignment. You stay in that category mm-hmm. and your balance doesn't improve and your coordination doesn't improve as much as it could. It's because you're mm-hmm. missing some really important inputs to the brain. And so I'm, that's where I really nerd out. Like that's where like, it's, it's really fun to see really powerful changes when you start getting simple eye exercises or simple inner uh-huh. ear exercises that anybody can do uh-huh. that provide like tremendous responses. And, you know, it's, it seems like kind of like magic because people can be so deficient in those areas that you just do uh-huh. something simple and small and it really provides a, a pretty profound response. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That sounds great. I'll have to go check that out. Yeah. So for me, you know, I, I, this is like the kind of like the second branch of my story because Uh I didn't, I, I stumbled on this from my own experience. So, you know, the cerebral palsy was one big branch and driving Uh factor that really ignited my curiosity, Uh but really what added fuel to the fire was, you know, I, I failed first grade because I didn't have an ability to read well enough. So they, they, Uh they, they held me back and it turned out to be the best thing that could happen to me because that set me on a trajectory and of being curious and invested in this reading issue that I had. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was in my thirties before I could really read a book without mm. falling asleep. I get two sentences in two sentences in and just totally fall asleep. And so in college to read, I get up early in the morning, I'd stand up, I'd read all my stuff standing before class so that I could make myself not fall asleep. And then after college, I just relied on audiobooks. And I would say, I would say, well, I'm reading a book, but I was uh-huh. listening to it, but it, it had yeah. so much shame around not being able to read. And it wasn't that I couldn't read words. I wasn't illiterate, but I, I, I couldn't stay awake. And so, yeah. um, I was, I, I was talking to a client of mine that, um, I was reading this, this, this book series, but I was listening to it, but I said mm-hmm. reading and I said, mm-hmm. I got to get the next one. And I think I'm going to take it with me on my trip. Cause I have this trip coming up to California. I'm going to be at a conference and so the next time she came in for her session, she brought me the copy of the next book in the oh, series. No. That's what I said. I was like, oh my gosh, now I'm going to have to get the audiobook and listen to it before I get back so I can tell her how good, I, how much I yeah. loved it and all this stuff to cover up the fact that I didn't read, quote, read yeah. books. Yeah. And so I took the book with me knowing I was not going to read it. <laughs> I go to the conference and I met um, a vision therapist while I was there uh-huh. and went through a couple of eye exercises and I was like, wow, that was really interesting. I, you know, I'd never really considered putting that much attention into eye movement and eye coordination. Hmm. I went back to my booth and a friend had stopped by and, and missed me. So they left me a note and I picked it up and I read like I've never read in my life. I just read like so fast. And I made wow. the immediate connection to my inability to read to the fact that my eyes just didn't work well together. Uh-huh. And just a couple exercises that made my eyes work well together set my reading on fire. And then yeah. my back pain was less and my head had range of, a better range of motion. I was like, this is so interesting to me. And so I started doing a lot of research and applying uh, this information into my work. And at first I was sort of making up my own tools and, <laughs> and, and I would do a lot of research. And there's a lot of really incredible vision therapists and vision therapy clinics oh. all over the country. Well, okay. but you're really not going to a vision therapy clinic unless you have this life disrupting problem where you're going to go get something addressed in a, in a therapy set, setting, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not like an everyday, you know, go every week to, to exercise your eyes situation. It's this critical, 
you know, you go at a certain age or there's developmentally you're behind or mm-hmm. your eyes aren't functioning, you know, and so you mm-hmm. go to get your therapy, like you go to your PT. Mm-hmm. And, and I just also found that the drills that they were doing and the exercises were really not very fun. And I'm really like eight years old inside. And so I really wanted to be fun. And so I decided to make up my own tools. And that's mm-hmm. where, that's where the brain speed ball came. I invented the brain speed ball out of necessity for myself and for my clients, because I needed something that I could bring into a session that would be a really simple game of catching this ball back and forth that would bring in eye tracking and eye exercises and inner ear exercises that were super easy, take a minute to three minutes to play and have Uh pretty big effect. And, you know, I started making my own, I I Uh draw letters and numbers on a ball until I decided I'm going to actually make this ball. I'm going to have this manufactured. And so Uh You know, that's what I do. That's part of what I do now is I help people understand wow. how to play this simple, fun game uh-huh. that can have this, you know, ignite fun, which makes the brain curious and makes it want to know what's going on and, yeah. and then get the results you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. So does, when you're talking about with, with ears and stuff and, and is hearing, you know, because as we get older, our hearing starts to go down Yeah, a little bit, not yeah. everyone, but most people that's probably a majority um are there exercises that can help that as well or does the hearing actually affect your movement and stuff as well yeah hearing hearing affects everything so the Mm -hmm. the anytime your senses are uh, lessened Uh or there's an uh, imbalance or a compensation Uh it Uh affects your output so the lower your sensory input the lower your output and so they, I've, I've, I've read a lot of articles recently with the connection they've made with um, hearing loss and dementia and Alzheimer's, like leading yes. to these things. And so it makes sense to me because I've seen when I've worked with somebody and I've improved their balance through their inner ear and their head movement, and I've improved the strength of their eyes and they work more together, that they have, they, they feel sharper, they feel more focused, they have better okay. balance. Like the uh-huh. results are really tangible. We can measure yeah. them, we can see them and they can feel them. Wow. So I, ha- you know, I haven't had a client improve their hearing. I think that's a really fun goal to have. I, I think I'm going to write yeah. that one down. Um, I have had clients improve eyesight. I've had, I've had clients have a lower prescription because they've done eye exercises to improve the strength wow. of their eyes so they can focus better. Which, which makes sense. Yeah. 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 And uh, you know, the thing that I tell the professionals that I work with, and I'll tell you and your audience is that, mm-hmm. you know, our role in this, in this movement professional seat is not to have the answer. Mm-hmm. It's really, we're doing the research. We're, we're mm-hmm. helping to problem solve and do the critical thinking to discover what's going to work for you. Right. And I think that's what we need in this world. Yeah. We need, we need more of that in this mm-hmm. world to really find yeah. what the solutions are going to be. And once you've found a solution, then you can say, okay, I know what could help you because you've already found a solution. Uh-huh. Not because somehow, you know, ahead of time, I think the best discoveries come from trial and error. Yeah. And that's why I say like my early clients were my guinea pigs, because that was trial and error with them too. It's like, well, let's see if this works for you. It worked for me. Yeah. Let's see what it does yeah. for you. Yeah. And then build on that. Exactly. Exactly. And I, the reason, one of the reasons that always comes back to me, um, one of the reasons I was asking about the hearing loss is because, um, it turns out, I think my father, I think I probably got this from my father. Um, no, maybe it was from my mother. I don't know. Anyways, um, I have hearing loss in one ear because it's, it's, that, it's the bone okay. that can't conduct the sounds in. And my brother has it. Hmm. His son has it. 
right? Genetics. I have it. Yeah. You know, I'm sure my mother had it, but I, mm-hmm. but she, you know, because she was she got very hard of hearing <laughs> towards the end. Sure. Um, and you know, just so I have a hearing aid just in the one ear. Right. And and it's interesting because at the doctors, they that's what they explained to me was that I needed to have a hearing aid because otherwise it was going to affect my brain. Mm-hmm. Be hearing on yes. that right side, which yeah. was really, you know, that was like, whoa, that was a real eye opener. No, how long have you opener. had your hearing aid? I don't know, about four years. Okay. Four or five years. Yeah. I'm curious, did you have your hearing aid in when you fell? Probably. I was just curious, you know, probably what, yeah. what I see with, with the clients that have hearing aids and have some hearing issues is that balance is always an issue. And it's not that you feel dizzy and imbalanced. Okay. It's not the sensation of feeling yeah. dizzy, but it's that yeah. you, you fall and you're like, why did I fall? Like, I, I know there's a curb there. How did I miss the curb? How did I, you know, <laughs> that doesn't make sense a lot of times. And I don't know your yeah. situation, but I, I know that for a lot yeah. of people, it's like, I fell, but I didn't trip over something. I wasn't like, or somebody didn't trip me. You know, I didn't fall yeah. off a bike. It was that I was just walking yeah. and like yeah. missed a yeah. step somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I fall a lot. Um, mm. That particular time with my, which is the only time in my whole life that I've broken a bone mm. ever, which is really pretty amazing for as many times as I have fallen. Um, and that particular time I was trying to avoid, um, I was walking along the path um, and I can't remember if I was running. I think I might've been running at the time. Um, and I was trying to avoid a broke, a, a piece of tile that was there on the dirt and it was broken. Okay. Right. So I was trying not to trip on it. Right. 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 So what I ended up tripping on was a sprinkler head about yay big. Mm. That was the same color as the ground and I didn't see it. Right. Right. And okay. so my shoe hit it and I went down and I hit right here. And I hit my head, but nobody seemed to be care about my head, which was probably, I should have said something a little more to people. They were much more concerned about, you know, getting my, my shoulder, my, my collarbone sure. fixed, fixed up. Yeah. So, yeah. so, and I think, cause I think falling on, on my head, um, you know, probably had some little concussion or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, it's yeah, anytime been, you hit your head, that's a concussion. I think yeah. it's, it's important for people to understand that, that mm-hmm. you don't have to be bleeding out yeah. to call it a concussion. If you hit your head, that's a concussion. Yeah. What degree it is, is the next question. How severe it is, is the next question. And what your symptoms or whatever imbalances that are happening afterwards, mm-hmm. it's something to look at. But mm-hmm. yeah, hitting yeah. your head is something to consider <laughs> for sure. For sure. And I've done that a couple of times as well. So yeah, yeah, I've I've had <laughs> I've had a lot of a lot of clients that have had traumatic brain injuries, and I, I had yeah. one, and he he wasn't over fifty, but I'll tell you, it's it's it it can happen to anybody. So that, you know, having a TBI can be something that yes. can, is life altering, and oftentimes can be life ending. You know, you yes. fall and you hit your head, and that's it. Um, and he uh, he was uh, a motor he is a motorcycle racer. Um, and he was going 70 miles an hour on his motorcycle, lost control, and then went at a 45 degree angle head first into a cement wall. And, and yeah, just thinking about it. No, I know he broke like 22 bones and, um, had a TBI. And when, um, his wife brought him in to see me, he was just, just days out of a wheelchair. So he had gone through so much recovery 
and he was just days out of a wheelchair and he had what um, he called a drunk penguin walk sort of side to side really unsteady kind of holding the wall uh-huh. and um i used the brain speed ball with him we played this game of catch and i had him tracking uh-huh. with his eyes and catching the ball and calling out what he saw and getting him engaged in this visual and vestibular uh-huh. way and just after like 10 minutes he could walk like nothing was wrong with him and we were uh-huh. all blown away because you know i don't ever have yeah. expectation i just have curiosity and and i'm uh-huh. trying to problem solve and it was it was pretty incredible and he went home and was telling his family and they're like, he, they're like, he's like, look, I can walk. And they're like, well, that's great. We'll see how long it lasts. Like, it's good to be skeptical. And yeah. I'm curious too. And yeah. it never went back. He kept his walk. Oh. It was incredible. And he's back working full time and he's got good quality of life restored. Oh. It's quite yeah. a journey he's gone on. And to be that, that part of it was really an honor. But, but it's something where if, even when you have a traumatic brain injury and you mm. see your neurologist and you mm. do your therapies mm. and you're done, you're 60 yeah. to 80% better and you're dismissed from your care, you're not better. Right. You're not you're still in the movement gap. It all comes back to getting stuck in that space. And, and so many yeah. people get frustrated with, with that space and not really knowing why. And I think it's important to be able to identify what's really happening because, you know, it can be small, medium or large issue. And you end mm-hmm. up in that space where you're like, I'm not better, but nobody's able to help me over here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's where those movement professionals come in handy. Okay. They're knocking on Pilates Studios doors. <laughs> like, who here can help me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, that's that's a that's a, a a great idea. Yeah. Well, particularly because, you know, the last couple of years with COVID, the so many of the gyms have closed. Mm-hmm. You know, people are just starting to get back into doing exercise. Right. You know, two, two, two and a half years of not working with weights or just working, you know, I've, we've got some that are just some hand weights and stuff my husband and I work with, but it's not the same. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Having somebody that can evaluate and make decisions on what you need to do movement wise, yeah, how yeah. to correct imbalances, how to correct the, the weaknesses and the, the compensations in your body. That's really right. what's such a huge benefit. And to look yeah. at you from a neurological perspective like look Uh at how your brain takes in information Mm. not just one category not just making your joints mobile and your muscles strong but also your your higher order systems your eyes your inner ear like the systems that we rely on for crucial things especially over 50 you want to be able to walk without falling eyes inner ear you if you if you don't have that you're 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 really flying blind so you really want to make sure you bring that online yeah, I was gonna say, is that why I, I don't pick my feet up? Yeah, so shuffling, yeah. you know, getting how close to the ground can you get <laughs> to feel stable? Because the longer you're off the ground, for example, like if you take a big step, uh-huh. you're, you're off the ground for a longer period of time. Uh-huh. And walking is really a series of falling and catching over and over and over oh, again. Okay, and there's a lot of it that way. If you, yeah. can minim- if you like, to save yourself, minimize your gait. You make your foot, your steps smaller. So now Uh you're not falling as far and you're not falling as, as uh, severe of an angle. So it feels trip more. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Cause you're picking up whatever your shoes catch on the rug or the lip of the going through a door or or the sidewalk, right? Sidewalk where it's uneven. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's often where like a surprise fall happens. It's like, you know, you just didn't pick your foot up and you caught the sidewalk and then you fell. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things I look for when I do, I like to do before and after walk. So a client will have mm. them 
walk, see what's mm. going on. They feel what's going on. And then okay. probably through the session, walk again. And I know we're on the right track when their gait gets bigger and it gets uh, easier. And they're taking bigger steps. They're picking their feet up without okay. having to manufacture it, without having to go, I'm going to pick my Think feet up. About it. You can't yeah. walk like that. You can't, you can't live like that. You have to have some things that are patterned and, and uh, you know, subconscious and not consciously trying to manufacture right. your yeah. movement all day long. Yeah. And so those are, when, <laughs> when that improves, I know that we're on the right track. Those are the improvements yeah. I'm looking for. Because when you go off in the world, that's where the work matters. You know, in and out of your car without hitting your head, walking on a sidewalk without tripping on the curb, you know, opening the door and having the, having the coordination, the strength and the balance to pull a heavy door in the wind and not have that throw you off. There's all, oh, there's all kinds of things that happen okay. yeah. that I want, I want people wow. to be able to do with some confidence. Huh. My goodness. Wow. Having you on has just opened up my whole life. Oh, that's just, awesome. Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely need to find somebody to, to work with because you just, you keep hitting all of the, <laughs> all the things I have. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you are, you and everyone else. Yeah. You know, we often oh, think no. we're alone. I mean, if you, you have this list of things and you think, oh, it's just me and I, I, I gotta, I gotta be better. I'm not good enough. And I just have to improve this stuff, but it's everybody. And the more oh, we yeah. talk about it, the easier it is to talk about and that you yeah. don't feel less than you don't feel like it's just you. It's everybody. And what's, yeah. fun, what's fun in my, in my studio space, I think for me is when a new person comes in and they think that they, they're in a terrible situation. They don't feel good about their movement. And they look at our clients and they think, man, everybody here moves so well. But if you ask our clients, they'd be like, man, everyone else here moves so well, because we all think we have a terrible situation and everyone mm -hmm. else has a great situation. The grass is always right. greener. Um, oh, yes. But the reality is that everybody is there practicing better movement. Yeah. And so then that becomes what they do. And then the next person that walks yeah. in sees them and goes, man, I want to move like them because they've been doing the work. Now they have better quality of movement, you know? Okay. So okay. We can get in our head pretty easily, you know? Oh, it's, it's please. Really yes. easy. <laughs> That's why I have a podcast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> There's plenty of people for me to talk to about that. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's interesting because um, it it is as far as not picking up your feet, like what I do. My mother yeah. did that. She used to take falls all the time, mm -hmm. except she she had much worse outcomes than I did or have. And I have a, one of my brothers who does, you know, some of the same. So I don't know whether it's a learned or an, or an inherited or, or both. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Both. Yeah. 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 But you know, that's, that's knowing that that awareness is where it starts. Yeah. You know, at, at some point you build that awareness and you go, okay, now I know what I'm working on. Yeah. Without that awareness, just like I don't get it I don't know why this is happening you don't yeah. have anything to connect it to you don't have anything to, to kind of focus on to make improvements on or or what to do about it or how to communicate to the professionals that you're going to ask to help you thank you, you. Know, all the, all the things it's like how do you even talk about it how do you describe what's going on yeah yeah exactly exactly so well I guess we should probably wrap up we've been talking and and we could probably talk for another another whole another whole uh, whole show which we may do i may invite you to come back again beautiful i think my that. pleasure yeah yeah because you're just full of very 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 important information especially for people who are who are getting older and and life is changing and they just think oh it's just life changing yeah i'm just getting old right yeah. exactly rather than it being totally life-changing right 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 yep yeah, yeah, because it only takes one fall. 
Yeah. I, I, it's like fall prevention is before it happens, not after Thank it happens. You. And like, yes. oh, now I need to prevent falls. No, ha- prevent them now. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, for sure. For sure. So anyways, okay. So let me wrap up here and um let me thank you again for coming on and we will definitely do this again um and neither of us are medical doctors so please don't take any of this as medical advice if you are having a medical issue please go to your doctor or go to the emergency room and with that i will say which i did already thank you and um i will see all of you next week this has been healthy tips after 50 with susan rosen to stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on itunes visit healthytipsafter50.com for this episode show notes more resources and free offers